Hello everyone and welcome back to The War Room, which is our interview series as part of the Clone Star podcast. I am your host, Sean Ferrick, and joining me is the most badass first officer of them all, the once major, then colonel, Kira Norris, Nana visitor herself. How are you? I'm really good. How are you doing, Sean? I'm a little starstruck, so I'm very oh. good. <laughs> Um, I have there's there's so much I want to ask you but first of all um, how did it feel becoming a cartoon you know what it's thrilling and I was so glad with how they chose to draw her Um, uh, it was it was a good era a good time and I thought that what I was laughing along with everybody else the the opening shot of the station that got me. That got me as much as watching Galaxy Quest did <laughs> when the red shirt goes, wait a minute, I don't have a last name. I'm the one who's going to die. It was like, <laughs> it's so truthful. It's so true. Yes, you are. <laughs> oh, it was it was so good. Like we from the, the from the trailer dropping and, you know, we see the station in the trailer. We were just so excited. But of course, we had no idea until the episode aired that you were back. So if you heard like some sort of weird screaming in the distance, this was people like me who were like, oh my God. Uh, it, was it was so hard to keep that secret. It was so hard, but I did it. You, you did go. How long between recording to airing? Like how long did you have to sit on that? I think it was, could it have been something like six months? I think it was. Oh, it I was. Did. It was quite a while, yeah. I can barely keep a secret for an hour. So yeah, like, I know it's not easy for me either because I don't keep secrets about my own life. It's it it's much clearer. I don't have to think which lie did I tell. I just always tell the truth. So keeping other people's secrets is an effort for my brain. I'm not used to it. There was actually you reminded there was a a a job I had previously with a manager who, of course, I will not name. Uh, one of the first bits of uh, advice they ever gave me was. Uh, keep a notepad. And I said, oh, you know, just for taking notes. He says, no, for keeping track of your lies. <laughs> okay. It's true. It's too, it's too hard. It's just not worth it. It really is. Um, yeah. So like, obviously there is an abundance of Star Trek on the air at the moment. And you are, um, you are now a current performer in Star Trek, but I think we all fell in love with you when you held the wonderful Sid to task by daring to say that you lived in the frontier. Um, what an amazing introduction to a character. Uh, Kira Norris, I think, has been one of the most influential archetypal characters in certainly sci-fi um, and, you know, just in television as a whole. How does that feel knowing that you are so important to not just Trekkies, but people in general? Well, it took 30 years to have an inkling of that. So over the drip of time, <laughs> it, it does change it. It wasn't like she was received like that back in the day. Absolutely not. This was an issue for a lot of people. This was, why are you such a bitch? So um, it, it, I got used to just going, hey, I, I had strong feelings about that character. I knew how I felt I needed to play her and I did it. I just put my nose down and kept in the lane that I thought I needed to be. 
and tried to ignore what was going on, good or bad, in terms of response. But now I have to tell you, I know exactly when it happened. It was at a convention and a 15 year old boy came up to me and it was in the last five years. It was probably five years ago and said, I am so in love with your character, a 15 year old boy. Now, 15 year old boy back in the day would have been like, whoa, she's way too much now because of where we have culturally come. He looks at her and goes, yeah, that's a great idea of a woman to me. And that was revelatory. Part of that was streaming. The fact that we were suddenly streaming and people could see an arc to her. And also the, the, it's, it's a more acceptable woman in today than it was 30 years ago, for sure. I remember obviously watching it on first airing and there was so many themes that went over my head um, you know, things like if I look back and like, oh, my God, I was I was that age watching these episodes, like the darkness and the light, for example, um, right. which I always it always hit hard that episode. I always knew I really enjoyed it. And as the years went on, it becomes so much more meaningful. And we we, we often discuss the strength of Kira not apologizing to uh Siller and Print, you know, like sorry, but and it's such a statement. How how did like when you were getting scripts like that, um, and when you were seeing ideas like that, was there ever a time when you were like, oh, we're getting cancelled for this one. There's there's no way we're gonna get this one made. Mm, you know what? It was uh Ira recently told me uh we happen to be sitting on a ship in rough weather at the time <laughs> together. <laughs> and he said, you know, I remember the moment Michael Pillar came up to me and said, I'm so sorry, but this is not going to be the show. It's it's going to be Voyager. I'm so sorry. And Ira was thrilled because it meant no one would be watching us. No one would be watching over us and saying, dictating, going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, you know, her hair, this detail, that storyline, because they were shaping it to be this hit or this big show that they were going to sell. So we were flying under the radar all the time. That didn't mean that I didn't have the feeling the whole time, you know, I come from theater and, uh, a two week notice can go up on the board. You, you, you're signing into work at half hour and the show's closing two week notice. You got two more weeks of work. So I always felt like I have no idea when this is going to end and it could end any time. And it could end just for me at any time I could get fired. Um, and I, and I lived in that for the seven years. That, I mean, as exhilarating as that can be, that must've been stressful as well. You know, the hardest part of this stress and people always say, you look so well. And and I have a real answer for that. Sleep. Um, <laughs> we didn't sleep. And, you you know, they say punch drunk. It really is. I just read a book recently about sleep and they say that, you know, at if you miss a certain amount of it, a certain amount of hours, it you are in 
a state that is just like intoxication. You are not thinking clearly. You aren't functioning well. And that was the stress that was hardest. We worked, I mean, 26 shows a season. Does anyone do that anymore? And the number of hours that we did, it was like a stress test that I don't feel I passed. I was beyond exhausted all the time. So of course, I had two children during the show, too, very young. That, that, that complicates things. Um, I, I can't imagine having children during that would be stressful at all. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, actually on that, with the hours, <clears throat> the hours that you're doing, I suppose, how often did you actually get to see your family? I mean, we are talking serious hours per day, you know, five, six, possibly even seven days a week. Rene Ober, uh, it was five days a week, but the hours were such that it became Friday night was early Saturday morning. Mm. And then we would start Monday morning. You know, the, the earliest people would come in probably 4.30 for makeup, 4.30 a.m. So you know, the weekend gets very, very quick. And Rene Aubergenois used to say, we see each other more than we see our own families. And of course, my children spent a lot of time in my trailer at Paramount, sometimes on set. My older son, Buster, uh, really learned what a red light was was meant to be. And at two years old, if a, if a grip came and started to talk to him, He'd go, red light. And it's like, we're on a red light. That's right. Because God forbid he ever do anything that would stop, you know, the process of the filming. Uh, and, and I couldn't have him there again. So, yeah, that's how I saw them. My goodness. Um, I suppose, you know, on the one hand, it's great to learn these lessons early. On the other hand, I, I appreciate a new fear of red lights. Uh, just for... <laughs> We're on a red light. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, right. for, for example, in this room that I'm in, there's two cats that are uh, just, they're they're sleeping now. And I just, I, I just like, guys, we're recording. We're recording, okay? You stay where you are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> over, oh, over the, so as you mentioned, well, like it's taken kind of 30 years. I mean, I think now we can, we can agree, DS9 has become, I think one of the most beloved iterations of Star Trek. And I know for the longest time, I was the weird kid who was the DS9 fan. You know, it was, <clears throat> you know, TNG was obviously doing really well. Right. You know? And um, sorry about this. I sound like I have uh, some sort of uh, mad flu. I'm sorry about this. Uh, no worries. <clears throat> but Is um, that tea or coffee? <clears throat> it's tea. It's lemon and ginger tea. tea. Yes. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Good. So, uh, um, so and also the you know the Irishness of it all. I kind of I was like you know well I'm going to get a tea anyway. So I guess I guess that's what's satisfying me. It's like yes, he's in Ireland and he's drinking tea. Things are as they should be. <laughs> My there, cliches are proving correct. <laughs> there, there are some stereotypes that you know what? Yeah, they're true. They work yeah. for me. Yeah. <laughs> and this is coffee, and I'm an American. Yep. Nope. Okay. See, I, I like. Sometimes it's nice not to rock the boat, which is uh, a phrase I'm sure was never written on a script in DS9. It was "Let's rock the boat, let's go wild." Yes, I think that's right. 
Um, I know, I know you've you've spoken about this in in interviews since. Um, but the character being a former freedom fighter, um, you know, when 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 a script comes to you and you're like, great, we're going to talk about this time that you blew up a station, or you know, you uh, you shot this person, um, play it as reliving happy memories. You know, do you go? How does anyone? play that as reliving you know kind of happy i'm thinking of episodes like shikar and um you know where we deal with former resistance cells how does that sit on you you know at the time and with time gone by do you think this was a great idea this was a terrible idea this was we would never get made today how does that work for you uh well, first of all in playing that kind of gray area it's um I think it's an important part of life that things aren't black and white, that there is joy within suffering and suffering within joy, that it's, you know, life doesn't happen in a in a clear cut way. Uh, I was in New York City during 9-11 and the horror and the un the way we were I'm just putting do not disturb. Um, the way um, the way the uncertainty of what was going to happen next, that is sometimes lost because we know, well, the two planes and then that was it. We didn't know that at the time. But in that time, there was such connection with other people on the street on uh, in in interpersonal relationships, the way people helped each other, how we were devastated together. So I think it's more in those moments that you're talking about are about deep connection. And and it's, you know, I've seen Marines together and there's a bond and it's this weird bond that you go, oh, I'll never be a part of that. And it's because they experience something no one else will. And it was intense. So I think that's what I was trying to get across in those moments. But yeah, I mean, I you could call me a freedom fighter or a terrorist. Would that ever get done? Uh, if we thought too much about it or the wrong timing, I'm sure not. If it was right at 9-11, probably not. Um, but the fact that she was a gray character and was allowed to change and grow and um, become someone else than she had been, that was the lesson. Um, it was it was an incredible journey um, there, you know, from, as I say, those opening scenes where, you know, it comes across really clearly she's not actively trying to disrespect anybody in terms of Starfleet or Cisco or anything, but she's like, you'll be gone next week. And I don't have time for you right now. Um, and that comes across because we, we recently did a rewatch there of season one and DS Dine, I think benefits of having one of the stronger first seasons. It, it, it seemed to be a very clear vision going in, which I think sometimes, you know, for various reasons, you know, a lot of shows don't have. Um, yeah how much lead in time did you get? So like, for, say from, oh, did you hear they're going to make a new Star Trek series to, you know, standing there 
you know, telling Avery Brooks to get out of your office, you know, what, how, what kind of a turnaround time for you is that? It wasn't much and, and not much preparation either. Uh, we had a read through um, that I remember. I'm not sure Colm was there yet. Um, Cause he hadn't flown back to LA and we didn't have Terry Farrell yet because she had yet to be cast. But we had a read through and then we had a walkthrough of the sets. And that if you, Sean, if you could have walked through the sets, you would have gone, you would have gone, uh, okay, I can, by this afternoon, I'll be ready to play the character you're telling me to, because it's hard not to believe it's like VR, you know, uh, on, on a huge scale you are on a space station. You you open the door to the stage and walked maybe, maybe 10 feet and you were in it and it filled the stage. The promenade filled it and there was no denying. It was, you, you could walk for a long time and go through all the little restaurants and even the things that weren't used. And it was a world. It was a world built for you. That is like uh, if, you know, some people ask, you know, if you had a time machine, what would you do? You know, we'd go back and do this. Go back. Nope. I am going back and having a drink in Quarks. And I'd probably, you know, <laughs> check out the Bajoran Temple as well. You know, try it. The rep- because it is one of I think it's one of the most beautiful looking physical sets. Um, that's one thing that Star Trek does very, very well. Yeah. Uh, but particularly DS9, because the size of the promenade, I mean, how often did we get a set that large that, you know, is used in almost every episode? Or would it be again? Because I think they use CGI now, you know, so much more than they did. It was really there. It wasn't like up to six feet and then the rest they'll fill in later. It was there. It was soaring up to the ceiling. Quite amazing. I could just imagine as well, uh, you know, just from walking from one, you know, stage to the next. I mean, it's a bloody endurance test as well. You know, everyone is doing, you know, you're all getting your steps in every single day, just walking the length yeah. of the promenade and back. Yeah, that's true. Um, I know as well that in, uh, I believe it was in the last couple of years, you have released a book about some of the most inspiring women in Star Trek. Um, can you talk a I bit about wish, that? I wish... It was released. We are finishing it. Um, Our deadline is this June. Um, COVID kept me from speaking to a lot of people that I needed to speak to. Um, I was doing a documentary as well. And just the problems of being able to get the interviews uh, and having them be in person, it was just too much in terms of regulations because the new shows couldn't take the chance of exposing their actors. Of course. So I wasn't allowed on set. So it got very delayed, but oh my God, has this been, uh, I'm just about to talk to Roxanne Dawson, who is really hard to get a hold of because she's constantly working mm. as a director. She's ever, she has been in Ireland for a long time. Of course. Um, so I'm finally getting to talk to her, but it, is such a revelation to me. The book is like teaching me things. I'm the one writing it, but 
it's this alive thing with all these women's voices uh, that is really, it's a look back, of course, it's with our um, more educated 2023 eyes, but I think it's very useful to remember the cultural bubbles that can be put around us by a decade, by the media, by how things are supposed to be. And to be able to look at that and wonder what's our cultural bubble now? What will we in 20 years look at and go, ah, oh, we didn't need to be doing that. We didn't need to be, you know, it's, it's just a, a, a fascinating awareness. Um like maybe this sounds like the most obvious question, but what inspired you to write the book in the first place? I wasn't. I was asked. I would not have done it. Okay. I would not have thought of it. And when I said yes, I went, now what? And that's that's what's fascinating because I have been on this journey of going, okay, wait a minute. What were those decades like? What was going on with women? What was I going through? Wait a minute, what happened to me? Wait a minute, what was normal? And I accepted it back then. So, and that's not, it's not about shaming and blaming. It's about, you know, because most of the time, the, 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 I call it a cultural amber because sometimes I feel like I got stuck in an 80s or a 90s way of thinking and I'm stuck in this amber and then some young woman comes along and goes, wait a minute, here's a hammer, get out of there. Now, now have this perspective. Now what? What does that paradigm change? If, you know, I'll give you a quick example. Um, I talked to Samantha Cristoforetti, who's an astronaut, a fighter pilot, mother of two children under five. <laughs> she speaks eight languages and was learning a ninth. What? Yes, yes. And she told me that Star Trek helped her get to where she was. So right, right there, that's like, okay. But the example, and she has lots of reasons why that was so. But what happened is I said, so you're going up into space in a couple of months. You've got two children under five who helps you with them when you're gone. And she she's a younger woman than I am. And she said, they're my husband's children, too. He's a caretaker when I'm not there and caught in cultural amber. Wait, children are a woman's responsibility. And if I'm gone, I have to find out who's going to help me. Help me? No, that means it's mine alone. When partners do something, it's not helping, it's sharing the responsibility. So that was like, what? And that amber fell off me um, from this remarkable woman uh, giving me that paradigm shift. Those are the kinds of things that happen in the book. That is that it's that is so interesting because it's that that simple thing. Well, they're my husband's kids as well. Like, oh yeah, of course. But uh, oh, but why why is that in our heads? That that is a strange thing to realize. Why is that? 
because it's an unconscious bias that it's a woman's job. And we have all accepted that and we just all live with that. And what that does is put such a strain on women, such a strain and such guilt. I remember I had friends at the time. I was a working woman and I I found help and I got people to help me with my children, <laughs> my words, because my thought. Um, but I still felt this enormous guilt because I had girlfriends who said, I don't know how you can do it. Wow, you're missing your children's lives. Wow, someone else is giving them what they need. That's amazing to me. Wow, good for you. Which, of course, wasn't good for me. Yeah. It, it, it makes you go, how can I? You can't. You can't manage it all. And even the maybe the unconscious judgment in those type of statements as well. It's like, oh, you are missing your children's lot. Was, was that oh, necessary yeah. to say? Yeah, you know, like because and and also you, you kind of think like, well, don't you don't you think I know that I'm working a lot? Don't you think that I know I don't get to see them enough? Um, and yes, that that idea of maybe it's the the almost the the side glance of you know, oh, are you going to quit this year and you know go back to being a mother? It's like you can do both. Yes, yes. It and you know it's undeniably hard to do both. But the judgment comes from this unconscious bias that it is a woman's responsibility solely and a man can't do it. Well, that's just not true. Not exactly. Not at all. Um, right. And if 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 you don't mind me asking, obviously, yourself and Sid, you have Django. Um, and how was that one? Obviously, you're both working crazy hours you know because then when we discussed it well these also my husband's children as well you know is there a oh god how do we okay now now how, how do we do this well don't forget i was in cultural amber i completely took it on as mine alone to do i absolutely didn't expect anyone to do anything other than help me out so my expectations were very low uh, so there weren't those conversations with Sid at all. I didn't initiate them. It, it, conversations that with my my husband of 20 years, Matthew, now, I do have. The minute Samantha left my house, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, Matthew, <laughs> you don't help me in the kitchen. You don't help me. We both put in time to clean our kitchen. And uh, this is why we've been married for 20 years. He's like, oh, wow. Okay. I get that. That's wild. <laughs> it is. It's, it's, it, it, it's, it's funny sometimes when, you know, there's that wide open thing of, oh yeah, a partnership means we're partners. Huh? How strange. No, no. The, the, the clues in the title. <laughs> 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 Uh, this is one of the, one of the great things of Trek now is just how um, how you know female characters are celebrated. They are leading a lot of the shows at the moment. Obviously, we have Cynical Martin Green leading Discovery. We have Tawny Newsom on Lower Decks. Um, Love those girls. 
love those women, love those forces. I say girls because I'm 65, but oh my God, both of those women, I expect to be content creators. I really do. They're they're okay. going to be forces. Absolutely, like 100%. Um, I, even, I think anyone who is within a half mile of Tawny Newsom gets an, uh, just an uh, injection of energy because she just puts so much of that out there uh, to the point where I'm just like, I really hope someone's looking after her with a coffee or something because if she crashes, <laughs> you know. Um, and then Sunika Martin-Green, of course, incredibly inspiring. And, and it, it is not to say that Star Trek hasn't always uh, had incredible female characters of course it has um but it feels like something that somewhere along the way they went i think we should be doing more i kind of feels like that i think ds9 did very well in terms of that i agree i agree that was a huge step forward and i'm watching voyager now and i'm so impressed with the women of voyager it was yet another step just as it should be I feel like each show has stood on the shoulders of the show before and reached just a little bit higher for everybody. And uh, it, also what I love is the way these women are, these young women are with other women. I grew up in a time where it was very competitive and women were you know, kind of put against each other. Uh, and there wasn't enough at the table. There was one spot for a woman and she better be a sexy woman. And you fought for that spot. And uh, they are so giving and open and loving with each other. I mean, I saw the way the cast of Discovery is with each other. It's so different. It's such an improvement. That is, that's something that... Um... I think particularly the documentary, What We Left Behind, which was an absolute gift to, you know, Niners like me. You're just like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is amazing. I think what we got from that was when we look at, say, interviews with the Next Generation crew, it seems like they were all, you know, linked by the hip and everyone was laughing and joking. And you kind of wonder, how did anyone get any work done on that show? And then when it came to Deep Space Nine at the time, it was a much more, I'm going to use the word professional, which is not to say that Next Generation wasn't done professional, but to say it was a much more, we are here to do a job. And that, so in that, was there the camaraderie that seems to just exude from all of the DS9 cast at the moment, was that there during filming? Uh, I don't think it was, I don't think it was like, um, next gen, uh, we all, the show itself, the subject matter was difficult. The hours were difficult. Um, we had children, um, Avery Brooks was flying home to New Jersey every weekend to be with his children because he didn't want to upset their schooling. So, you know, our noses were to the grindstone. We still hung out together, but where the relationships really formed was after going to Europe at conventions or here to conventions, meeting for dinner. It, and, and that, you know, 
one of the one of my favorite things right now in my whole year is going on the cruise ship, the Star Trek cruise ship, because it's like take all your best friends and put them on a ship with people that right away are receptive to being new friends. And it's like, are you kidding me? It's it's so fun. It's so wonderful. But yeah, I'm I talk to everybody weekly, I'd say. Harder to get in touch with Sid. I talked to Terry and Michael Dorn and Armin and Andy Robinson way more than I talked to Sid because he's he's in Thailand working or, you know, at uh, the bizarre places in the world filming. He never stops. But we do manage to connect once in a while. And it's he I love Sid. I'm so happy he's in my life. That is that is beautiful as well, because like on screen, of course, um, you were fantastic together. I think because you were so different in terms of characters. It was always so funny to see when you had a Kira and a Bashir episode or see you're kind of like on the same show. How could you have two such different characters? And yet yeah. they're so funny. And then, of course, you, um, you know, um, I think it's fair to say you grew close in personal life as well. I think that's a, a fair thing to say. Um, and then. You know, jumping forward to you know the apocalypse times, the uh, um, the at the at home together, the video play on YouTube was so much fun as well with Andy as well. We had Armin in there, Ciroc. Uh Actually, funny that you mentioned Andy. I just have to show you my T-shirt at the moment. Um, ah, yes. Um, oh, that's a good one. I, like, I yes. love it. I, I I love this one. Um, and uh, it's uh, it's it's been it's been selfishly as a fan it's been a joy to see more of the ds9 cast just together be it interviews be it youtube be it other projects it's been great we are now getting what all the tng fans had you know something like you know 10 15 years ago and i think like yes it's about time yes yes it's interesting i remember seeing on twitter at the beginning of the (laughs) At the beginning of the pandemic, someone said, DS9 is trending. Why? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just about you like, I mean, I understand the question, but did you have to phrase it that way? (laughs) (laughs) Of course, you know, anytime we see DS9 trending, we're like, we're finally getting HD. We're finally getting the remaster. Wouldn't that be something? What, 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 I, it will happen. One of these days, it will happen. And, you know, because again, it looks so good anyway. Let's see anyway. It as good as it can be. Yeah, it would be remarkable. Hmm. Um, to, to go back actually just slightly to, of course, you're mentioning Voyager there and this cultural amber. Um, I know Kate Mulgrew, for example, has spoken about the first year was a bit difficult in terms of she couldn't turn around for someone cutting her hair, for someone making sure that, you know, this scene was there. And although it didn't happen as often, I did. Kira goes through, I think, probably more physical appearance changes, I think, than nearly any other character. Okay, Dax went through a fairly large physical change there between season six and seven. But... um, A body change. Yeah, that was a kind yes. of like, okay, Dax looks different. But 
did did you feel that there was that sort of scrutiny from I'm going to say the male gaze? Yes, the male gaze was important. There's no doubt that had to be satisfied. And uh, I I was used to that. That was part of being an actor at the time and probably and still is. And, you know, it was like, no, I've got to fulfill these things, but also do it in heels. And, you know, um, I loved the first season where I was wearing corduroy and flat boots. I loved it. I literally, you know, um, I read somewhere and I can't remember where it was, but if you think about it, the way women make their eyes wide and big mm-hmm. and wear heels, they make themselves look like prey. Because when you think of it, deer and anything that is prey has big eyes, close, wide set eyes so that they can see who's chasing them. And they have hooves. And we give ourselves hooves and wide eyes. And it's a way of saying, yes, you can catch me. (laughs) I mean, when when you break it down, that's really true. Uh, So I loved not being prey. I loved that I could run and jump and do whatever I wanted. And I understood when uh, they said, we got to, you know, we've got to soften you. We've got to, in parentheses, appeal to the male gaze. So I went, yeah, okay. So I did, I suggested it myself. I said, put me in heels. I won't be able to walk. They, they said, I walk like John Wayne on the promenade and that I, I needed to, you know, walk differently. I said, I won't be able to do that if you put me in heels. So that's what to do. And I, I mourned my freedom. I mourned that that had to be true. But I also said to myself, okay, if I can be this full spectrum woman dressed like this, I can do it dressed any way, whatever they do to me. They can put anything on my face or my hair. What does it matter? Don't let that be the constraint. Don't put yourself in the box just because, you know, these these things are culturally necessary at the time. There was I I never I never got the impression with Kira that she was being openly portrayed as, you know, oh, we'll give her the plunging neckline. We'll you know, we'll we'll appeal to the 18 to 25 year old boys who are watching. Um, so even though, yes, there was this change in the appearance and there was, you know, there was, you know, the the suits might have gotten a little tighter as, as years went on. Um, the, that the could have fa- been my fault, too. <laughs> a little weight gain, uh, child uh, childbirth. I, I maintain there's no such thing as weight gain. There's just clothes shrinkage. That's that's, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. <laughs> um, no, but of course it was. It was now I was in a skin tight suit and everybody else was in a nice Starfleet uniform. Mm. Um, yeah, I felt that. I, I definitely felt that and chose to go anyway. Here I am. Same species, same experience as a 
as 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 an entity, here I go. And as well, like, you know, it, it's funny when you think of like, so we discussed obviously season five, the darkness and the light. Um, but even as it goes on, you have episodes like Call to Arms, Indiscretion. I know it's before, but, you know, with uh, a lot of work with Mark Alimo and never at any point I felt in a Kira episode was was Kira secondary or was Kira being played as, you know, kind of, oh, you know, doesn't she look great? No, because no, normally she's got a phaser in her hand. You know, you're like, uh, we're not here to sit down and we think, oh, you know, how does the centerfold look this week? It's no, don't be on the business end of that weapon because she's not going to hesitate. She's going to shoot you. And the intendant was oh. an opportunity for something else, but she was in complete control of that and chose that and owned her own sexuality and actually was probably, you know, guilty of sexual harassment all over the place. Certainly she had slaves and that was an issue too. But as a, as a woman, she was in, she was definitely in control. She was, you're right. She would fail every single workplace evaluation, but you're Absolutely. right. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I mean, for the longest time she got the job done um, and she was able to do it in that very first episode in that lovely, you know, in the dress and everything. And, you know, the ore was still getting processed and everything. I think, you know, she's quite inspirational as a boss. <laughs> I don't think we could say that. She was horrible. She was horrible. <laughs> Actually, yeah, poor, poor old Jennifer Cisco. She only appears to be killed. Uh, I yeah. know. <sighs> I know. That was the one storyline that I wish they had done, and they did it with. Uh, uh, they did it with with Sid's character instead. I wish that we had found that Kira had been guilty of a lot of stuff happening um, on the station because it was actually the intendant. Yes, yes. And Kira course, was yeah. locked up somewhere. Oh, I like that. Because, of course, we do get the intendant in the prime universe in one episode when we get Burial back. Um, yeah, who's to say that the right one was sent back to the mirror universe, you know? Who's uh, to say? Huh. You know, we could, you know, we, we, we skipped to the end of the season, you know, the, the, the one of those big battles, like, why is the Defiant suddenly turning on the other Federation ships? What's going on here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, is there, I mean, I'm sure you've been asked this a hundred times, is there a favorite, you know, memory from the seven seasons or even episode or, and then I must ask, well, is there a converse? Is there a, a memory that you're just like, not happy with that one? Uh... When I think of favorite uh, memories, I think of ops uh, scenes because it would be the scene where the most of us would gather for mm. something uh, and the, the, the endless chattering and catching up and the joy of seeing each other, you know, because we've all been off doing our own scenes or whatever that kind of camaraderie that kind of it, it's a it's it's somewhat like the marine thing you are a part of something that no one else can understand you've been through we saw each other through our characters trials and tribulations and each other's trials and tribulations just what life like what life was happening for everybody we bore witness to 
So I'd say that that, not only with the actors, but the crew as well, is one of my favorite memories. Um, a not favorite memory is being treated like if if you if I brought something up, if I said, can it be different? Can this experience be different? Being told there are 10 more behind you. You'll be fired. You'll be gone. The feeling expendable and not heard, um, which I understand from talking to the women in the shows now, that is not the case. This is an old way of dealing with uh, with actors, I think, I hope. Uh, but certainly in Star Trek, it is no longer that way. But feeling expendable and feeling like uh, it, it, there's, you don't matter. Your humanity doesn't matter. My God, that is, that is something you would never wish on anyone. No, it's really hard. And it's, and it's, it was cultural. It wasn't Star Trek. It was the way sets were at the time. It was the way you controlled people um, because it takes too much effort to listen and to think things through and to bring, it's better to say no, always easier to say no. There always was. easier to say no and don't ask again because there are 10 more behind you who will put up with whatever you don't want to put up with. I, like obviously it goes without saying that's such a disrespectful approach but also it's so short-sighted because what happens if you say that to someone who then goes okay bye and you lose this amazing performance you lose this amazing energy um it happens not yeah. that often because you know we're very we were at the time very well trained to understand don't lose this opportunity you know we had we you know if actors could gather around a, a campfire and tell scary ghost stories, it would be about the actors who dared to leave series <laughs> and never worked again. It's always like that. It's usually not true, but in the ghost stories we tell each other and they never worked again. <laughs> it, the, the, you know, the, the all encompassing terrible label of, oh, they're a bit difficult to work with. Yes. Uh, yes right you know, and, it, and it becomes then you know you know this person's name comes in and like nope line through that name they're difficult to work with you know and it, that's it's, it it's, that's you know, it you know, for for daring to ask for a bathroom break you know for daring to say well maybe we could do it differently um correct also is what do you, do you, on the on the bathroom break thing i think i think it's quite funny so we we've spoken to people who've had to uh uh deal with the wonderful Completely impractical Starfleet uh, uniforms and and closet. I have a wardrobe full of cosplay that became my obsession during um, lockdown was to start collecting these pieces. I'm in severe credit card debt, but uh, <laughs> um, th there's so many of them were not designed with practicality in mind. No. Oh my goodness. So yeah. So like you know, bathroom break. Great. It's got to take about forty minutes. You know. Well, when you think of it, these costumes have to be impressive. They have to be yesterday created. Mm. So, you know, and they have to be for the women, certainly very sexy. So that and you've got to hide zippers because 
hopefully we've come up with something better than zippers by yeah. then. So, you know, you've, it's not, I, I don't know how Bob Blackman did what he did, but yeah, especially the intendant, I needed quite a bit of help to go to the bathroom there. I don't think my body was very happy for seven years because it was a matter of just holding whatever you have to do. You better hold it. So, so, so now you're going to say that some of the most intense Kira scenes, you know, where maybe she's either breaking down or having another thing. Actually, I you're just like, pee. I really got, Oh my God, that's amazing. Uh, <laughs> uh, that is that I, I just particularly coming up toward the end of those scenes with with uh, Andy and Casey and everything where you know it's it's all about the power of the piece and everything it's like oh my god <sighs> oh my god you know I wish I had it but in one of those scenes Andy had to say you have to cut off the head of the snake that was the line and it was I think like two in the morning and I was gone. And when I'm gone, I'll laugh. And there was something about the intensity with which he said it. I couldn't, I could not stop. And that to me is so unprofessional. I don't like breaking up on set. I don't like losing it. Um, I, I will allow myself once in a while, but this, it happened every time he said it. And there were probably 30 takes. And they filmed it and sent it to me. And it, it, the first two times I was like, okay, okay, all right, no. The fourth time I'm apologizing to the crew and going, I know you wanna go home, I'm so sorry, it's not gonna happen. And again, and again, and again. And it was, and he did it with the same, he didn't change his reading. It was like, nope, you're gonna have to get through this. I am not changing what I'm doing. Not an iota. He said it exactly the same every single time. And it was just, uh, I don't think I've ever lost it in my whole career like I lost it that night or that morning. I have to say, like, you know, the fact that he didn't change the reading at all. I think there's blame on both sides here. I think he he knew what he was doing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is, that that is gas. I, 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 I have to ask, the relationship between Kira and Odo is one of the most engaging, uh, evolving, beautiful relationships, certainly that we had had up to that point. And I think to a, to a large extent still within the franchise, because in a way it makes complete sense where the two characters got to. And in a way, I also didn't see it coming. Yeah, if that makes sense, you know, like I, we knew Odo had feelings, but I really felt that maybe they weren't not romantically, at least returned on the other way. And then we get to, you know, we're in James Darren's bar and, you know, there's that beautiful scene. I'm just like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So how, you know, over over the years, you know, Rene Aubergenois, um, who that was, I was crushed when I got the news. Um but what an amazing relationship to watch between the two of you grow. So be honest, you hated him, didn't you? I love Renee. That's still right here. I still think he's going to, he's so vibrant to me. 
I still think he's going to just call me. I can hear his voice. Um, and I got really, really close to him throughout the years. Uh, what there's so much that I admired him for. And one was he didn't give a shit. Hmm. He was who he was, accept him, don't accept him. He never tried to make someone like him. He was who he was. I loved that about him. And he had a childlike quality and a curiosity and a fascination for small detail that uh, I think is the epitome of how to get older in the world. Um, I loved him. I didn't want it to be a romantic relationship because don't forget in the 90s, that was ubiquitous. It was like, will they, won't they? People who work together, but now they feel something for each other. Don't forget it was an issue in culture because women were suddenly in the workplace and this was the big fear. Oh my God, they're all going to have affairs together, you know, and, and he might have a wife at home. This is, you know, they won't be able to control themselves. So I really did want it to be a friendship for, you know, cultural reasons. And yet I had the experience in my own life of my best friend, Sid, turning into a romantic relationship. So I went, okay, all right. And like Sid, I can imagine that it would, uh, that Odo and Kira could have gone to this deep loving friendship where the understanding of Odo's needs and, and ethics and what he found important needed to be, um, needed to be respected. So loving someone isn't always about having them. That's actually, that is something that should be put on a t-shirt. <laughs> that is, that is, it, it's in, incredibly, um, words fail me. That's that, that is a perfect description. Um, I, I'm, I very much, I liked seeing the relationship as it was, particularly in season seven, but they were such just always such a good pairing. Um, and whenever one did something that upset the other, that hit harder than so much else that was going on. That, um, but th there was the, the two episodes that I think are, are very, they, they stand together are the necessary evil and things past where we, we visit, you know, back when Terok Noor was, you know, Kira was still very much in her terrorist days. Oda was still yes. the chief of security. Those two are, I think they're a perfect companion piece because they both did things that, a Starfleet officer would never do, but they right. lived it together. Right. And I remember for my character, realizing that Odo judged me and judged me harshly at the end of, I think, Necessary Evil, mm. uh, and that that would stay within our our relationship. That was, uh, that was cool. That was... That was a, a, a ribbon untied and left untied. You know, things weren't tied up neatly. Um, that was one of my favorite aspects of the show. I like that. that DS9 
Um, it's obviously it's been said many times, but DS9 was the one where if TNG was a reset episode of the week, DS9 was the one that in season four. Yeah, but do you remember that thing you did in season two? You didn't think I forgave you for that, did you? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Which is why it's so different to watch it streaming. It's 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 made for now to binge watch. It works way better than going, oh, my God, I, I missed the third episode. Now what? What happened? I'm lost. Even if you're not really lost, you feel like you are. So part of you is questioning what you're experiencing. Um, Like, absolutely. I, I remember, obviously, it aired weekly, of course. But uh, my dad at the time was working with the Irish equivalent of Blockbuster Video. And they used to release, you know, you'd have two episodes on uh, VHS. Uh, that's something we used to watch things on, children. Um, yeah. And uh, we would get, you know, so I would have this massive collection. Of course, this thing was the size of a room because, you know, these VHSs were not small. And uh, so I would go back and was, that was my initial version of streaming is rewinding to the scene that I like. And, you know. Um, oh, my God. We had special furniture to hold those things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There there were lots of accommodations to be made for your VHS collection. Isn't it amazing? Well, I, 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 I am a big fan of streaming, don't get me wrong, because it's handy, but I did like the DVDs as well. That was nice because suddenly your, your collection that's eight foot long becomes a CD, which is great. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so when are we getting Star Trek Kira? You know, if I had anything to do with it, I'd I'd have lots of ideas and and uh, I do look. I love that they used Michelle Yeoh. I love that uh, there were admirals. I think they were admirals, older women who acted as mentors um, in in the new iterations. I think the last ist that we have to deal with certainly we're dealing with all of them they're all you know still with us and and we're learning more and more but ageist stuff is still certainly I feel it certainly I understand how my standing changed when I became what is considered an old woman. And I would love as Star Trek examines all these important things for us, all the issues that we have, that we grapple with today. I think that that is one that can be looked at. I I think you are right. There is, you are absolutely correct. I loved in Michelle Yeoh's acceptance speech, she said, um, you know, basically don't let anyone tell you you're past your prime. Right. Which I just thought was, it's such a powerful state on, you know, one of the biggest stages in the world, receiving one of the biggest awards, proving, you know, kind of age means nothing. You're just, you're, you're cutting off your nose to spite your face. If you look at a number yeah. and say, no, it's too big. Yeah. We need everybody's contributions right now. And the fact that they would say that to her, to her, this powerhouse. Uh, yeah, if, if they say it to her, of course, they're saying it to other people. I love that on Picard, the, I've only seen the first episode of the third season, but seeing Gates mm. just look wonderful 
and be a strong presence. I was like, yes. So there's that. Uh, we're getting representation there. And I think it's a wonderful thing. I think that's fantastic. I think you're, you're absolutely right. We're, I think as of, as of the recording of this, the fifth episode of the season has just been released. And it is wonderful to see your entire main cast is over 60. You know, and it's fantastic because it is an exact example of, you know, what you're saying we should be aiming for is that it doesn't need to be, you know, Star Trek 90210, you know. Right, right. There's room for that, too. There's sure. there's room for Starfleet Academy, which I'm sure will come. But, you know, just with with the way streaming is, who knows if it's going to remain the way it is, but there's that you 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 can you can give it to older people and they have things that will be interesting for young people i'm very interested in intergenerational sharing i think it's important for for everyone um django and i do uh do a podcast that is all about that it's it's us coming at things from our where we where we are in our lives those are important discussions i think i think so and i think like with with you know podcasting with how accessible getting your voice out there has become particularly since you know since star trek tng ds9 voyager and even enterprise were on the air it was a lot more difficult then to have open discussion open uh, examination of oh yeah you know you know, workplace treatment for women, this expectation that's put on people, as you say as well, ageism. Whereas now we can we can hear what it felt like to be made to feel in any way less than or, you know, what are you doing asking these questions? You shouldn't be asking these questions. Um, at a convention in 2021 in London, Destination Star Trek, um, I was one of the many faces in the crowds. Um, I, was, I, I went to your panel and and I, I, I really, I think I, I was among many whose eyes were opened by, I think somebody asked the question, like, how much did you get to write for your character? And you went, nothing. Yeah, we, we didn't get to write the scripts. And we were all like, no. but, but surely, surely. No, no. Um, no, not at all. Now they have, they, I understand that, that the actors have meetings at the beginning of the year to talk about arcs. Oh my God, just to know what the arcs were going to be. It's fantastic. Look, all that said, the writing of DS9, for me, it's just, it's some of the best writing ever. Uh, it, I mean, look at the people that we had and what they've gone on to do. I'm a huge fan of Ron D. Moore's new show, um, uh, it, for all mankind amazing show have you seen it i've seen the first two episodes of it i've start i'm starting my watch mm -hmm. of it actually now yeah well the first two episodes i went oh this isn't for me this is not my kind of show and django actually said no go back keep watching wait wait for it and he was absolutely right it's wonderful i think it's wonderful I enjoy it tremendously. But all, I mean, Ira, Stephen Bear, Rondi Moore, Renea Shaveria, just incredible, incredible, all of them, all of them.
it was it was bonkers the writing talent on ds9 um and i think ds9 was a perfect storm it was you had all of this amazing talent coming together um you had even of some of the crew of course starting on emissary had already done five years on tng so they cut their teeth a little bit which was i think one of the reasons i think emissary is one of the stronger pilot episodes across the franchise because it didn't have say next generation well we were kind of starting the franchise up again um you know voyager oh, yeah. I think is very strong as well oh yes mm. agreed i agree with you um the a slight a slight change of direction now for a second is that um you and i are going to be guests at a convention in may um dn icon in philadelphia excellent so excellent I've, I'm looking forward to meeting you, but for the people who are listening listening along today, uh, what 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 can we look forward to at this amazing uh, convention? Uh, you know, I was I was just I just filmed a little something for them about it, and I talked about the word engage, how important it is, what it means, engage for us Star Trek people it means there's an energy exchange something's happening we're going somewhere and i feel like this engagement between us all is um a forward movement that we absolutely need to do and here's my thought we need to not expect it to go smoothly just like ds9 we came from very, it's multicultural and we don't get it and we don't understand. And we have to come together with curiosity and to realize that we all have unconscious bias and to see if we can become aware of those and what interesting conversations we can have. I'll tell you something, that the watching the Oscars this year, you spoke about Michelle Yeoh and uh, also seeing people from genre uh, who had worked in genre most of their lives suddenly winning an Oscar. It be, it wasn't this elitist. I, I hated watching the Oscars. It was like, what does this mean to me? It's nothing. It's this elitist thing that's political. I'm sure it's still political, but it felt opened up and it engaged me and it made me go, I don't know what could happen. And I don't know where the next contribution is coming from. This is exciting. And I think that's what I'm looking forward to with this new way of looking at coming together. Let's be curious and see who has what to contribute. I, I love and not that. expect it to go smoothly. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, but I mean, all of human history has gone so smoothly up to date. Right, um, yeah, that's this, right. So this we will can be the pretty one much thing. predict. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited. I know the uh, the group Gaze in Space are just a wonderful, wonderful collection um, who have done so much for the community. And um, I've uh, I just I, some of the parties they throw. Dan Devi, who, who runs Gaze of Space, told me a story once that I, I think there was an event on that you arrived at. And were you handing out cookies to everyone? Yes, I made cookies. It was in New York. So I, I was able to bake, which was something that I so wanted. 
I would love to do, look, it's what I'd love to do at every single event. If I didn't have to fly with baked goods, uh, it's what I mean. It's your sit down at my table. You are my family. I, it lets, no matter who you are, if you're having something to eat that you enjoy, you are open and vulnerable and human, just like me. Let's do that together. Let's have a molasses cookie together. That sounds amazing. And I will absolutely take you up on the molasses cookie offer. Um, but When you come to LA, I'll do that. I also make a mean peanut butter cookie. Okay, I am so on board. When we finish recording this podcast, we're going to start just just organize that, get the date in. Uh, everyone who's been listening along is like, no, I want to know. I want to go too, because I'm sure everyone does. Um, on that, we're going to come up to the end of this uh, this interview now. I want to say thank you so much for your time, for your generosity. Um, thank you for Kira um, just throughout the years as well. So I have one last question that is mm -hmm. we ask of every single guest. It's a nice, easy question. No thought required. Nana Visitor, what does Star Trek mean to you? <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it's a mind-blowing question. It is... Uh, knitted into the fabric of my very being. I don't think I go a day without saying the word Star Trek or writing them. Uh, it And in that fabric is this community uh, that is a, a part of me now and hugely meaningful. And Star Trek is a place it's like a chemistry set what if we put hope what if we put what we wished people could behave like what if we put what we want to explore next all into this beaker what do we get what can we give that's what it is to me that is amazing that is amazing. Thank, thank you so much um, for your insight, for your wisdom. Uh, thank you in advance for the cookies. Um, <laughs> um, as 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 we we sign out now. Um, obviously, we know that you have this book coming. Your deadline is June, so hope hopefully we might see it, it this year hitting the shelves. Do you think? I I would expect so. I would expect so. Okay, that will be amazing. Um, and then we have, of course, Diversity and Inclusion Con, which is May 5th to 7th in Philadelphia. So hope to see everybody there. Um, and the name of your podcast that you do with Django, where, where can people find that? And, and what is that called? Uh, it's called Sunday Dinner uh, with Django El-Sadig and Anam Visitor. And my Instagram account, where I am only mom and Anna, I'm not uh, that's that aspect of my personality. Um, and I'm there for people is uh, visit at visitor. Nana. At visitor. Nana. Okay. Thank you very much. What I'll do as well is I'll put links to, for example, the podcast, your Instagram in the description of this video as well, or video podcast that people can click on it. But once again, Mama Nana, thank you so much. Um, you are a superstar and a hero. And um, I would probably follow you into battle any day. 
So thank you so mm-hmm. much. Uh, to everyone who has been listening along, thank you so much. We will, of course, be back next week with another episode of The War Room. You are awesome. Make sure that you live long and prosper. And thank you very much.